Let's look at what the Bible says about God. And we're going to read from John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Amen. Well, good morning again. Uh, we're going to be thinking about uh, the very first bit of the Apostles' Creed this morning, but uh, I'm going to pray and uh, ask that God would help us as we do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truths that we find in your word. Uh, we thank you for those that have uh, condensed those down into uh, memorable and uh, pithy ways that help us uh, to reflect what you've revealed about yourself. Uh, Father, we pray that this morning you would help us, that you would help us understand your word more clearly, uh, that we would understand what we mean when we say that we believe in you. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's fair to say that uh, in Australia, belief in God is in decline. Uh, there was a McCrindle survey done about five years ago that found that now only 55% of Australians would say they believe in God. Uh, and that's where God's defined as uh, the supreme being that created everything. And that's actually down from about two-thirds only a decade earlier. Uh, so while belief in God may be in decline, uh, those who believe in God are still in the majority, uh, although that may change soon. Uh, one of the odd things I found in the research that they did was that a higher percentage of people actually identify as Christians, 
than believe in God, which means that there are people, a whole bunch of people it seems, who will be happy to own the label Christian and yet reject the notion that the Christian God even exists. Uh, People don't need to be consistent, I suppose. And of course, when people say they believe in God, uh, they might be meaning very different ideas about who that God is and and what they're saying they believe in. Uh, I get the impression that for a lot of people these days, deciding what they believe about God is a bit like ordering a coffee. So you might prefer a latte or a cappuccino or a short black, caffeinated or decaffeinated, sugared or unsugared. And if you want to add milk to that thing, you could have full, light, skim, almond, oat, goat, and on we go. Um, If you've ever heard somebody say, I like to think of God as... Well, that's effectively what's going on there. Uh, We've come to accept that you can kind of order a God to your liking. So if you like the idea of a very kind and loving God, well, you can say that the God I believe in is loving and kind. If you want to believe in a God that's an impersonal force of benevolent light, well, you can have that God too. But the fact is, we don't need to guess. We don't need to imagine what God is like. God has revealed himself clearly, and he wants us to know who he is. Let's assume for a moment that you wanted to get to know me. How would you go about that? Well, you could do a bit of homework. You could certainly discover certain facts about me by doing some research. If you looked at my birth certificate, you could learn that I'm 44 years old, that I was born in Australia, just down the road here, in fact, at Camperdown. You could dig up my dental files and discover that I have not four wisdom teeth, but seven. Not sure what you do with that information. I'm not sure what to do with that information. With a bit of research, you can learn things about me, but you couldn't really say that you know me. Uh, You could observe perhaps my behaviour and my activities. That would get you a bit closer. Speak to people who know me. That will get you closer still, give you some insight into who I am. But to say that you know me, to go so far as to count me as a friend, we would have to talk, wouldn't we? I would need to speak to you reveal something of myself to you. Because the power to make ourselves known rests with each one of us. And if we want to know God in any meaningful way, it's really no different. We need God to reveal himself to us. Now, of course, it's possible that God has no interest in letting us know anything about him, that he's distant and uncaring, But that is not the Christian God. Our God has revealed himself to us because God desires that each one of us knows him and are known by him. So this term we're going to be looking at the Apostles' Creed and our aim, as Luke said earlier, is not so much to understand the creed itself but to understand uh, the truths that the creed is trying to capture and trying to express And so the creed begins with this declaration of faith. It begins by saying, I believe in God. Uh, And then goes on to express many things about who this God is, his work in the world, 
who the Lord Jesus is and what it means to be a part of his people. And these are things we want to affirm, but for today we're going to focus on those first four words, I believe in God. But I'm not going to use this time to try and defend the idea that God exists. Uh, We're going to work from the assumption that God is there. We're going to be thinking more about what Christians mean when we say, I believe in God. And who is this God that we claim to know? Now, of course, we're only going to be scratching the surface. It would be ridiculous and rather uh, ambitious to suggest that I could stand here today and say all that there is to say about God, who he is, his character, his nature. But I do want to say that what we can know of God is true and reliable, even if we can't plumb the very depths. Uh, And it's not because I say so, but because, as I've said, it's what God has revealed about himself to us. Now, when we talk about how God has made himself known, uh, we use this word revelation. Uh, And theologians normally talk about two different categories of revelation. There's general revelation and there's special revelation. Now, God's general revelation, which is also sometimes called natural revelation, you might have heard it called that, uh, that's what everyone is able to know about God simply from observing the things that God has made, his work in the world, and in particular, his work of creation. Uh, There's a passage in the book of Romans that helps us understand this. It says this, Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So when you look at the universe, when you observe the things that God has made, you see a reflection of the God that is behind all of that. Specifically here, it talks about understanding something of God's power and of his divinity. And you'll find a similar thing being said in the book of Psalms. Psalm 19 says, that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. I think most of us could resonate with those verses, couldn't we? That, that feeling that you get when you look up into the night sky and you, you see the stars. That, well, not only the beauty of it, but There's a wonder, isn't there, that comes with contemplating just the sheer vastness of the universe that God has made. So in that way, the created world speaks to us. It has a voice. It declares something about the one who has made it. That's what we call general revelation. But it's fair to say that not everyone has the same reaction when they look at the vastness of the universe or the created order. Um, But the Romans passage says that the reason why people don't all believe in God because of that, uh, it's not because that truth about God is hidden, it's because people want to suppress that truth. So back to Romans 1 in verse 25, it says that people exchange the truth of God for a lie. People worship and serve created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. The Bible says that ultimately not believing in God is not about a lack of information. It's a choice of the heart. Now, we need to acknowledge that there's only so much we can know about God through general revelation. We can see that God's supremely powerful. We can see that he's unlike us. He's divine, even eternal. 
but we can't say much beyond that. And so that's where this idea of special revelation comes in. Um, For us to know God truly, for us to enter into a relationship with God, we need more than just what God has made. We need God to reveal himself. And thankfully, God has done just that. In the book of Hebrews, we find this famous claim. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. God has spoken to us. He's revealed himself using his own words. It's not as though we have somehow stumbled onto this, managed to figure out what God is like, either through our own reason or by intuition. No, from the very beginning of the Bible, we find God speaking. He even speaks creation into existence. He speaks to the first people that he made. In fact, he speaks to his people all throughout the story of humanity. God speaks to people directly. He also speaks to them through messengers and through prophets. And this speaking of God over the ages, God has caused to be recorded and collected into a book. We call it the Bible. And it all comes from God. There's a verse which I haven't got out on the screen, so I'll read it to you. It comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, and it says this, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It's this idea of what we call the inspiration of Scripture, that when people wrote what we have as the books of the Bible, they were writing with God's inspiration and with God's authority. And so that's why we describe the Bible as God's word because that's the claim it makes about itself, that these words are ultimately God's words. And so as we, this term, look at a series based upon a creed, the Apostles' Creed, we want to recognise that it's not the creed or indeed the Apostles or any other kind of creed that's the basis for the things that we believe. In the end, it's God's word, isn't it? Our faith shouldn't rest on church traditions or what a particular theologian or preacher thinks, even what a creed or a confession, even a confession as wonderful as a Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, it shouldn't rest on these things. It should only rest on the word of God. But, of course, God's ultimate self-disclosure, his ultimate self-revelation, is through his son, Jesus, the one that is called, in fact, the word of God. Uh, That reading that we had earlier from John's Gospel, the first chapter, John makes this quite explicit for us. He writes that in the beginning was the Word, that's a reference to Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Down to uh, verse 14 of chapter 1, and John goes on to say, the Word became flesh, made his dwelling among us, We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And then in verse 18, he says this, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, 
has made him known. See, Jesus comes, yes, as our saviour, but more than that, he comes to make God known. Now, not just by giving us new information about God, but in fact to introduce us to God himself. Jesus reveals God to us in a very unique way. As the Son knows the Father, Jesus promises to open up that relationship with God for us. Now, we shouldn't be treating God's word as a kind of textbook for us to extract facts about God from, but there certainly are plenty of important things that God wants us to understand about who he is. Um, We might want to declare that we believe in God, but just what do we mean when we say that? What is the God that we're talking about? Well, we're going to be exploring a number of different aspects of God's character over the next six weeks especially, and so I'll leave some of those to the side, concepts like the Trinity and the sovereignty of God, because we're going to return to those in later weeks. But I want to give you just a quick little highlights package of some of the things about God that we find in the Bible. Firstly, we find, and we've mentioned this already, that God is the creator. That's where the Bible begins, by explaining that God is the one who created everything that exists. And from the beginning, God's identity as our creator um, is fundamental to our understanding of who he is. So in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, we find these words. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. God is the one who has made everything that exists, the heavens and the earth and each one of us, and he did it with a deliberate purpose. We exist because God made it so. And because he's a creator, that also means he is Lord. He is the one who rules over all. He is the one who should be worshipped and honoured by all that he has made. Next, God is eternal. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 17 says, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. You might hear the words of an old hymn in that verse. Immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible, hid from our eyes. My scripture kids are fond of asking me, if God made everything, then who made God? But the Bible doesn't really deal with the question of God's origins. It kind of assumed that there's nothing before God because God is the one who has always been. He is immortal. He is eternal. He doesn't have a beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He has always been. God is spirit. Uh, That Timothy passage describes God as invisible, which I take to be a reference to the fact that he doesn't have a physical body like us, that he is a spirit. Uh, And John 4 states that even more explicitly for us. It says God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And so God is unlike us in that way. He doesn't have a a body. Now, I think that all gets a little bit complicated when you think about the Son of God becoming flesh and becoming Jesus. 
that God kind of didn't have a physical form up until that moment, but you could perhaps argue that he does after that. But we'll leave that aside for the moment because it's, it's true to say that in this sense, God is unlike us. Now, you might have also come across uh, all of the the omnis that people use to try and talk about and describe God. So people will say God is omnipresent, you know, that God is present everywhere, which is connected to the idea that God is spirit. Um, but that's quite a different idea to the, what we find in some, what you might call animistic religions, where God is actually present in the created things. So God is present in the rock and present in the tree. Um, that's not quite the idea that we have in the Bible. Um, the idea is more that there is nowhere we can go where we can escape the presence of God, that God is everywhere in that sense. We talk about God as omnipotent, that he is all-powerful. talk about God as omniscient, he is all-knowing, and we could be here all day. But for all that we can know about God and we can state about God, I also want to say that God is also complex and mysterious. I think we feel that quite keenly when we come to thinking about God as, well, we talked about the idea of God being eternal, but also the idea of the Trinity, that God reveals himself as these three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, all God, all at the same time, but each unique and distinct. I'm reluctant to use the term mystery because I think it's overused and can imply that God is unknowable, but there are certainly aspects of God's nature his character, that our finite created minds cannot fully comprehend. And so as we talk about God and contemplate God, we should also acknowledge that there are going to be limitations to our understanding, to what we can comprehend of God. Uh, we'll never have a what we could call a complete knowledge of God if, nonetheless, we can have a true knowledge of God. See, what we can know of God, it's not deficient, we can be absolutely confident of what we can know about God because these are the things God has revealed to us. These are the things God thinks we need to know about who he is. And in particular, we can be in no doubt as to how God feels about us because one of the incredible things the Bible reveals about the nature of God is that God is love. 1 John 4, God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God's revelation of himself that we find in the story of the Bible is a revelation of his love for us. It's a story about how God has worked through history to restore us to reconcile us to himself. It's a family story about a father who welcomes back his wayward prodigal children. That is the God of the Bible. That is the God that we know and love and worship and serve. That is the God we believe in. So how should all of this affect what we mean, what we say when we Make a declaration like, I believe in God. Well, let me suggest a few ways that it ought to affect uh, our belief. For starters, I think uh, we ought to be humble. 
think there's an appropriate humility that should come from us as people who recognise that we are creatures and we have a creator. God is so much greater than us, and we do well to remember that, to let God be God. But it's also incredibly humbling to think that this sovereign, all-powerful God who put the stars in the heavens, he cares about each one of us, that you matter to him and he wants to know you. So we should be humble. But our belief in God should also be confident. See, we don't live in a meaningless world. We live in a world that's under the control of this sovereign God. We may not know why everything is happening the way that it is, but God certainly does. And so knowing this God should give us great confidence as we live for him in this world. Knowing this God gives our lives meaning and purpose and hope. And so that means we don't need to hide our faith under a rock. Our belief in God is a good thing. It is a blessing. That should give us confidence as we seek to introduce others to God, as we try and help others move from unbelief to belief. And we want to remember that ultimately that's going to be a work of God in people's hearts and lives. We should be prayerfully dependent upon God, asking him to soften hard hearts that want to suppress that truth about him. But we should also remember that God is not hiding. God has made himself known and he wants to be known. He's made us all to be in a relationship with him. And his great desire is that each one of us is reconciled to him. So our faith, our belief can be confident And lastly, I just want to say that when we declare, I believe in God, for us that's so much more than a proposition that we agree to, a box to tick on a survey. For us, it's an expression of where our trust lies, a declaration of our faith. We have this wonderful privilege of not only knowing the truth about God, but more than that, to know God to know God personally, be in relationship with him. And the incredible thing about that relationship is that it comes with life itself, life as it was meant to be lived in fellowship with our creator, life that was spanned beyond this life and into all of God's eternity. And so our lives ought to be shaped by this belief that we have in God. Knowing God ought to affect every part of our lives. It ought to mean that we are different because we now live to worship him, to love him, to serve him, the one who has made himself known to us. We're going to pray together and Phil's going to lead us in that. Let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you that you are not a God who remains distant from us, but that you made yourself known to us in the person of Jesus. And we thank you that in knowing Jesus, we can know life. We pray that knowing who you are and what you've done may be a source of encouragement for us, particularly through all the uncertainty in the world at the moment. And we pray that you might help us to be your light in the community around us, 
that others might come to know you too. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.